We are back for our third and final segment today. And um, at the top of the show, I mentioned what I thought was the most important news story of this past week, the passing of a giant of television, Jack Parr. About a year ago, I guess it was, uh, Jack Parr suffered a stroke. I, I don't know that he ever completely recovered from that before he passed away on Tuesday. Uh, I did something I think I mentioned on this program that I'd never done before and I probably never will do again, which was send flowers to a perfect stranger. Um, I I arranged to have a nice bouquet sent to the hospital where Jack Parr was was laid up before he was discharged home, uh, wishing him well. Uh, I think that this program owes what he tried to do a great debt. Um, We strive on this program to be interesting. We strive to give you relevant topics. We try to be funny. And uh, we just try to be inquisitive about what's going on out there to give you a, you know, a novel perspective on it. And that is what Jack Parr did on television. To tell his story properly, we're going to have to devote an entire segment to it. So I've decided that we're going to do that either next week or the week after. We've got some uh, some materials we can take off the web, some um, uh, a three-part um, video cassette series I have on Jack Parr. Uh, we'll excerpt from. I think his story should be told. He was a very interesting guy, and we we think of the Tonight Show. Well, I mean, for the past ten years, it's been Jay Leno. Uh, for twenty-nine years before that, I think anyone who's over forty is going to associate uh, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. But um, <clears throat> the Tonight Show really started with Steve Allen back in the 1950s. He was the host of The Tonight Show for a few years. He left and Jack Parr took over for six years and shaped not only Tonight Show, but a lot of what we think of as talk television, late night television, by what his approach to what the show uh, should be. The truth is, I I never saw The Tonight Show with Jack Parr. I was a little kid. But I do remember Uh, the recycled version of the Jack Parr show, which aired on primetime television in the mid-60s. I thought that was a fascinating show. I I was riveted by it. It was probably my favorite show of that era, and it's left a lifelong impression on me. And I think I'm not, I might have a hard time conveying to you uh, why he's important, So I'm going to take another stab at it and give you some interesting clips and weave in what I know about his biography uh, to do it right. So let's let's take what few minutes we have left and move off of Jack Parr into another television giant who regrettably also passed away since we last uh, were on the air Thursday. Bob Keeshand, a man who spanned 35 years on television, better known to all of us as Captain Kangaroo. The primary audience of Captain Kangaroo's uh, treasure house was the four to six year age group. When I was uh, that age, I watched Captain Kangaroo. Now, Fred Rogers, when he passed away last year, got quite a bit of attention. When I was a kid, I remember seeing in the, in the TV guide that was in the paper, uh, this guy, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, but I, I never saw Mr. Rogers' show. I don't think I saw Mr. Rogers' program until after Dan Aykroyd made fun of him on Saturday Night Live with... Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Rogers, which was a very funny bit. Well-respected guy in television, but I can't say he affected me. I never saw his show. But Captain Kangaroo was something I saw a lot of, and I I look back on it very fondly. 
you think about children's programming today, which seems to be aimed at selling toys, um, he really was a breath of fresh air. Um, uh, Nell Minow is a movie reviewer. Uh, Her father, Newton Minow, was the head of the FCC in the 1960s when he made a famous reference to television as a vast wasteland. His daughter said, I don't think there's ever been or ever will be a show for children that's better. I remember watching the show once, and I was probably about kindergarten age, and Captain Kangaroo was delivering one of his usual lectures on, not a lecture, a talk, a talk to kids about things like good manners, respect, and fair play. I remember my grandmother looking over at me, looking at the television, and nodding her head and saying, that's a very good lesson he's giving. And it was. I think we'd be living in a far better world if the CEOs of people like WorldCom and Enron had paid better attention to what Captain Kangaroo was trying to convey. Now, it's funny, uh, one, of the, one of the regulars on the Captain Kangaroo, Mr. Green Jeans, seems to be a source of more urban legends than anybody else I can think of on television. I heard that once they claimed that Alice Cooper, his father, it was either, either Alice Cooper or Alice Cooper's father had been Mr. Green Jeans on Captain Kangaroo. No, it just ain't so. His story's interesting. Uh, Bob Keeshan apparently had been a page at NBC in the early days of television. Uh, he came to the attention, um, first came to attention when he played Clarabelle the Clown on the Howdy Doody show. Uh, he was being asked to do, odd, this is funny, he was being asked to do odd jobs on the show and they decided it would look bad to have a page running around on the set. So they gave him a clown costume. <laughs> So he blended in with the characters. But uh, the website I saw noted that he was paid so little that Buffalo Bob Smith used to slip him a fiver after every show. Now, in a time when advertisers wielded heavy influence, I, like like that's ever stopped, <laughs> this article notes that, uh, you know, uh, that back then, Keishan stood fast against any ads which he thought were inappropriate for children, and no cast members ever delivered the commercials. He was one of the first to insert bumpers, which were announcements that separated the show from the ad. I think I'm going to make a point next time I'm down in Los Angeles when I visit the Museum of Television and Radio to dig up a couple of old uh, Captain Kangaroos. Um, You know, we had Barbara Dixon, the director of the museum, on the program a few months back, and I should put a plug in for them. Uh, If you're ever down in Los Angeles, it's well worth your time to check out what they have there on the archives. And we will, of course, that goes without saying, I'll be reviewing some Jack Parr, although I don't think I'll be able to to bring you any clips from the museum. We will do what we can to get some stuff off the web, like I say, in the weeks to come, to explain to you uh, who this guy was. I think he's been forgotten. He's been off of television pretty much for 40 years and largely forgotten, but I don't think he should be. All right. Returning now to the program is our own political correspondent from the Hustings. In fact, he's one of the candidates, Senator Joseph Lieberman. Are you there, Senator? Yes, I am here, Doug. I am happy to be back on your show. And can I just say... Thank you for reporting for us on... Well, you're welcome. I love to be here. And can I just say four words? I love New Hampshire, Doug. We're very happy about how we did. Well, uh, on our show, you predicted, Senator, that you would be somewhere in the top three. Uh, you, apparently, you finished fifth. Uh, well, no, I take issue with that. Actually, we did come in in the top three. Uh, we're very happy about that. What do you mean? Well, you see, Doug, I, 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 you know, of all the candidates, Doug, not from states that neighbor New Hampshire, I did come in third. That's a fact. 
Uh, I think you'll agree with that. As you well know, Connecticut is not contiguous with the Granite State. That's a well-known fact. Yeah. And also, I just want to, can I point out to your listeners that of all the insiders, Doug, running, I am the most outside. Uh-huh. I think that is clear. Uh-huh. Well, uh, you certainly appear to have an underdog status uh, that's well-established at this point. I, I totally agree. In fact, you know, I, I actually could say without hesitation, Doug, that I am the biggest underdog now of all the major contenders. Well, every, everyone seems to be afraid of being the front-runner, Senator. Everyone seems to want to be the person who's, who's, who's not uh, the front-runner because then there's this, this, lot, this expectation that if he doesn't do well... It, it, people well, talk about the campaign being uh, stymied. That's true. Some people have said, boy, you know, Lieberman, you really must have, be really afraid of low ex- of expectations because you came in so far behind. But I don't think 9% is anything to sniff at. You know, it's, it's a decent number. It's more than 8, 7, or 6, and it's certainly more than Sharpton or Kucinich. So uh-huh. we're ahead of some people, Doug. Uh-huh. And can I also say See- that... I think our campaign is gathering momentum as we speak. The, uh-huh. the Liebermaniacs are up and at them already. Uh-huh. I've had my morning cup of joe. I'm raring to go, Doug. Uh-huh. You know, have you seen the polls? The, no. The, most re- the, the polls show that I appeal to a vast number of people across the country, which is good. I, I appeal to the average Joe, Joe College. The G.I. Joe war vet, uh-huh. Joe six-pack. Uh-huh. You know, so this Joe ain't going anywhere. Don't listen to what those guys say. Well, Senator, how do you respond to comedians like uh, like Jay Leno who say that, well, yes, it does appear the Lieberman campaign is gathering momentum. That's what usually happens when you're going downhill. <laughs> Doug, well, certainly he is, he is quite a little uh, uh, trickster, that guy. You know, he has a great turn of phrase, but... You know, I, as you know, I am not known for mincing words about Hollywood, and uh-huh. I think they got to shape up, especially that Jay Leno, whose whose show is nowhere near as good as one of my constituents, David Letterman. Uh-huh. I think you'd agree with that. And you know, he I, does, I do he does live in Connecticut. That's true. He lives in Connecticut. Proud to be one of my. You don't see him bashing Lieberman, no, sir. And I can I just say that I intend to be very very tough, Doug, on Hollywood when it airs in its ways. You know, uh-huh. you'll never see them make a film like Jiggly or whatever the heck it's called, yeah. with me in the White House. Well, uh, you, you are noted for being somewhat hostile to Hollywood, Senator. Why is it you don't take on people like Viacom and News Corp and Time Warner, well, the major corporations uh, that we refer to as Hollywood, you know, when you have the chance? My feeling is, Doug, why pick on Viacom when Barbara Streisand is available? Uh-huh. It's, it's very simple, Doug. I have a simple message, clear to understand. We are starting to gather momentum in many states. In fact... I would be willing to say, if I can leap out of fifth place into fourth, I'd be happy. All right. Well, I guess... And come if I get third place in Oklahoma, uh-huh. I guess that'll make it Joklahoma. February 3rd, you're running uh, Arizona, Delaware, Missouri, New Mexico, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Carolina, with 268 delegates at stake. It's a very big at stake, and may I also say that it, it, it's keeping me very busy, especially since I'm continuing my two-pronged campaign attack for both vice president and president. I, I think you remember I announced yeah. on your show yeah. that I would be open to serving as either office, and that's one of my unifying qualities. I'm a unifier, not a divider, and I'd be even willing to—I would be willing to take any offer that anyone would offer for vice president. So you, you would serve as the vice president to Kerry, uh, to to Dean, yes, to um, Wesley Clark or uh, Senator John Edwards. Yes, any one of those people. If if for some reason Joe Mentum halts for some strange reason. Or if Joe Oklahoma doesn't come in my column, I, I'd, I'd be open to that. Even the other side of the aisle, I would dare say, I'd be open to be vice president. God forbid anything See, should happen. Wait, 
You're saying that you, you, you would be willing to take the Republican nomination for vice president? I am willing to announce for the first time on your show... I would serve as VP for either the GOP or the Democrats. That is how unifying I am. Uh-huh. I am a unifier, not a divider like certain other candidates. If my country calls, Doug, I am ready to serve, and that what? includes Saturday, yeah. Doug. I, I think it would be more like the Republican National Committee calling rather than your country. Well, perhaps, perhaps that might be true. Maybe call Rove, I don't know. But uh-huh. I am ready to serve, Doug, and that includes Saturdays in an emergency, of course. Uh-huh. Because, of course, my, my faith dictates a day of rest on the Sabbat, on the Sabbath, if yeah. you will. But I am allowed to serve totally and completely in the event of emergency. You so, could, so I guess if, if, like, Serbia invaded Bosnia, you could actually go down to the war room and, and direct activities. Yes, I can break off a deep prayer any time yeah. to go right down to the war room and lickety-split, I'd be there. You just have to be fair and honest with what constitutes an emergency, Doug. See, God gives us great discretion, but uh-huh. only so much. Yeah. Like, say, for instance, I run out of locks. That would not constitute an emergency, but a constitutional crisis, yeah. that would constitute an emergency, and I think God understands that. All right. Well, Senator Joseph Lieberman, thank you so much for turning to our program, and uh, and we'll be watching uh, the results uh, next February 3rd. Thank you, and can I just say, go Joe Mentum. That about wraps it up for today's program. We will hopefully see you next Thursday at 5 o'clock. Our thanks to investigative reporter Jerry Polikoff and, of course, to our own special embedded in the campaign correspondent, Senator Joseph Lieberman. Todd should be up shortly, so stay tuned for that. This is Radio Parallax. This program was produced by Edward McMillan, and I'm your host, Douglas Everett. And we've chosen today for our betting music, our bumper music, to segue into Todd's show, the theme song from the old Captain Kangaroo program. Uh, those of you old enough to remember, well, enjoy. Enjoy.